Welcome everybody to After the Ride number five. We're going to be talking about why I feel motorcycle training programs um, aren't focusing on some of the bigger aspects of motorcycle safety. Uh, it's it's all the typical things, and we'll go into this. It's all the typical things, you know, like gear. Make sure we have the physical training. Make sure we know how to do, you know, U turns. You know, all these different things. You know, just very good stuff that's going to get you to pass your test. Um, but it really doesn't put into the mind of the motorcycle rider that what we're doing is is dangerous, absolutely 100% dangerous. And you know why are you know motorcycle fatalities rising from you know back in the 90s to where now they're kind of leveled off to around 4,500 motorcycle fatalities a year consistently for many years? Why is it not going down, and why did it rise up in the first place? And I was doing my own research and I was looking all these things up and the National Motorcycle Institute uh, has all this stuff. It's it's crazy. There's there's other people out there like-minded that I didn't realize. And I'm going to jump into a lot of that stuff and and why I think that and why I think motorcycle, the motorcycle industry specifically and and the motorcycle safety, I guess, industries um, could really benefit from some outside thinking. Um, So like... You don't want to have motorcycle industry people like, you know, I'm just going to throw names out there. Kawasaki, Honda, Indian Motorcycles, Harley Davidson. You really don't want them dictating what is safe on a motorcycle because, you know, they're trying to sell motorcycles. And then when you get into that aspect and, you know, you want more people to have their endorsement and we'll jump into that. But I want to go over this punch list. That's what they're calling it. The NMI punch list from the motorcycleinstitute.org. Link will be in the description to this. And it's six things, okay? It's it's six things. And I 100% believe in this. And I've been saying it for, since I've been making videos. And it's really kind of jumping at me, especially with my firefighter background with situational awareness. So number one, danger. So motorcyclists are killed 38 times more often than motorists, mile for mile. And that right there, it's a, it's a big number. Um, we can actually kind of extrapolate, you know, driver versus driver. So motorcycle drivers um, versus car drivers. It's 27 times uh, more likely for a motorcycle driver to die than it is for a car driver to die. The reason why it's 38 times is because typically you have more than one person in a car. So that kind of brings up the uh, uh, statistic there. And they do talk about that. So I'm not saying what they're saying is wrong here, but I got that information from their website. So highly recommend it, MotorcycleInstitute.org. So that's huge. Um, I mean, it, it's just going to happen. We are we don't have a cage around us. We don't have, you know, the A post, B post, C post. We don't have a roll cage. We don't have uh, airbags, I mean, unless you have a Honda Goldwing, but that's only for frontal impacts. You know, we don't have anything to protect our legs. You can easily bleed out from a, a, a femur fracture if you get hit from the side. I mean, all these different things. It's inherently dangerous even with gear. And that's the one thing I've been telling people. It's like, yeah, wear gear all the time, but you have to understand that it's dangerous and you need to be able to look ahead and do all these different things. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so number two, the st- striking vehicle. Okay. So in fatal motorcycle crashes, the motorcycle is almost always the striking vehicle. 96% of the time, 96% of the time, the motorcycle is the thing that is crashing into something, whether that's a guardrail, another car turning left in front of us, which that's one of the biggest things, cars turning in front of us, 
Um, and the, the other biggest thing for motorcycle fatalities and crashes are curves. So the striking vehicle, we're striking guardrails, we're striking a tree on the outside, we're striking the berm, we're striking whatever's out there. And then, uh, you know, curbs, pedestrians, all those other things. So 96% of the time. So for us to tell, you know, drivers or other people to not hit us, I mean, that's only 4%. And that to me is, is eye-opening. You guys should be completely eye-opened to this. And I realize I'm off-centered on the camera. I'm getting excited. You have to understand that, that we are the ones striking things and killing ourselves, Okay. So number three, the motorcyclist has an endorsement, okay? So in fatal motorcycle crashes involving street-legal motorcycles, the motorcycle driver almost always possesses a motorcycle endorsement. Sometimes the endorsement is suspended, revoked, or canceled. Either way, the, the person that crashed uh, in, a, in a fatal crash or any crash, they have their endorsement. So the licensing is not the problem. You know, how we got the license, you know, all these other things... Yeah, I mean, we have to pass these certain tests, but I think we all understand the licensing, the, the, the testing process, the four things that we have to do at the DMV are freaking easy. Come on. I mean, a straight line weave, a U-turn, uh, was it a swerve and braking? That, that's what, what, that is not, that's not indicted, indicative, there you go, of safe riding. And I talk about search, evaluate, execute. I talk about, you know, hazard perception, situational awareness, all these different things are massive. And that's not taught when you get your endorsement over at the DMV. And it's rarely taught in training programs. And I honestly believe that that, that is a contributing factor to motorcycle crashes and fatalities. And that is why I 100% focus on the hazard perception, knowing how drivers react, knowing how you should react in a in a situation. What is a hazard trap? What are the clues that lead up to a hazard? That is what I focus on. None of it involves, well, now you need to, uh, you know, sit in this body position, have a neutral hand position, have your head and eyes up. That all plays into it. So the training programs that are out there, yeah, they, they do a great job for the physical skills, but I, I just think the mental skills should be up there too. Okay. So number four, blindness while paying attention. We talk about this all the time. The failure to notice something that's in one's field of view because attention is focused elsewhere. That's called inattentional blindness. Okay. We hypothesize and I'm, and I'm quoting, I'm literally reading from the motorcycleinstitute.org. We hypothesize that on average, motorcycle drivers have to use more cognitive resources to maintain control of the motorcycle compared to drivers of passenger vehicles. That is 100% true, and you guys that ride understand that. It takes more brain power to ride a motorcycle than it is to drive. So when these additional cognitive resources coincide with the cognitive resources needed for the motorcycle driver to avoid a crash the crash is more likely to happen. So we are using so much brain power while riding that we don't see what the hazard is. We don't see that car coming out. And I talk about that and I show that in all my crash videos. So, I mean, just there's going to be a video linked in the description on YouTube, um, but it was Friday's video. So the video that was released December 6th, it really emphasizes that. Um, so this is a casual factor in crashes where the motorcycle strikes objects that should have been noticed early enough to prevent or lessen impact. 
So when we go back to the punch list for number two, it says in fatal crashes, the motorcycle is almost always the striking vehicle 96% of the time. That means we're striking those people that are turning left in front of us. That means we're striking those curbs because we're not paying attention to the road. I mean, we just watched Walt Terrific when he crashed a while back a couple of years ago when he was changing his on his phone. He didn't see the curb crash, broke his collarbone. That was a simple mistake. It was a relatively low speed, but it caused the crash and it caused a break in his collarbone. And that is just blindness while paying attention. That's all that is. And we need to be hyper-focused so that we can reduce that 96% of the time we're crashing into things. I honestly want to see more cars. I want to see the, the ratio change to where cars are hitting us more. That just means that we are focused on our own safety. We're out riding. We're doing what we need to do. And now the biggest problem is other vehicles on the road. Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. I'm not saying I want cars to start hitting us. I want, I want us to lessen our own impact on that. Okay. So number five, humans detect light, okay? So it is not likely that other drivers will notice the color of the clothing a motorcyclist is wearing prior to noticing the lighted lights required on street-legal motorcycles. Color for clothing does not and cannot have a strong effect on fatality counts. And they're saying note items one, two, three, and four above, so everything above. The improper emphasis on colorful clothing may distract motorcyclists from other important techniques of danger mitigation. So motorcycles driven legally and responsibly are easy to see. So just because you're 100% Power Ranger at high vis does not indicate that the driver, will, the other drivers, the person turning left in front of us, will see us. It they see light. So ha making sure that your headlight is um, working and functional, that is what will help you. Positioning yourself in a way that you're presented so that you're not blending in with the car behind you will help you be seen. So that right there is all mental. All we're doing is moving from lane position one, two, and three, to three, to one, to, to two, to three, all these different things, but you have to understand why. And that's what I point out so much, presenting yourself, having a good field of view so that you can see and so they can see. That is huge. And then right here, motorcycles driven legally and responsibly are easy to see. I talk about this all the time. And this is, this is why I absolutely love this, the, the source, the motorcycleinstitute.org, is I talk about riding at the speed limit or slowing down if needed. Because when we're coming up to an intersection, and let's say the speed limit is 45, and we see all these people riding, and they're going 65 plus, you know, having fun, accelerating, going crazy, it, other cars can't see that. That is not driving legally and responsibly. Not because, you know, let's not get a ticket. I, and I don't even say that. I just say, you know, I don't care if you, you get a ticket, you get a ticket, whatever. But the reason why I don't want you guys going past the spo uh, posted speed limit and even the suggested speed limit on those yellow signs, but the posted speed limit on those white signs is because that is what motorists are able to see. That's what they're looking for. They're judging your speed where you're at. So then they pull out thinking you're far away, but you're going two to three two times, you know, if it's a 35 and you're going 70, I mean, you're going twice the speed limit and they can't judge that speed and boom, you run into them because we're 96% of the time striking other vehicles and other things. So we need to be going the speed limit. We need to be focusing on responsibility and clothes. I mean, it's great. Go ahead and do it. It might help you out a little bit, but it's not going to be the replacement for proper, um, you know, writing and responsibility. That's going to be the biggest thing. So number six this is going to be the last one on that. And then I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more um, uh, about this one, honestly, is that uh, this one says, number six, improve motorcycle endorsement testing. So 
non-experienced motorcycle drivers should not be given motorcycle endorsement license that has no restrictions. Unfortunately, many current motorcycle endorsement applicants receive the final or unrestricted endorsement, even though they have never sat on a typical street legal motorcycle. So training endorsement testing should occur separately as with other endorsement licensing vehicle types such as cars. Beginner training should not be associated with waiving skills testing for those seeking a final or unrestricted endorsement. This inappropriate endorsement system has resulted in a large increase in motorcycling participation. So what I got out of that was we're testing people, we're training people on very super low CC type bikes. Then they go out and buy like a 600 to a 1200, you know, depending on the type of bike, you know, sport bike versus cruiser. So we're having people literally show up and test on a 125 or a 250, and they're not going to use that. And now they get onto something that's even crazier. They need more training. They need more testing. They need more skills to handle that bigger bike. Yes, the, the primary controls are the same, and I preach that all the time. You know, if you know how to ride a 125, you know how to ride a, a 1200 or 1000. But the thing is, there's a huge different power. There's a huge different thing. And how are we using it now? Are we, are we staying in the parking lot with that 1000? No, we're going out and riding Mount Lemon or these mountains and group rides and messing around at highway speeds and all this stuff. That's where we start having problems. Um, so the in, in, inappropriate endorsing system has resulted in a large increase in motorcycling participation. That to me is where I feel motorcycle training programs are failing because we're now putting people out there and having this massive motorcycling participation, which is great. It's great to have more participation, but we're putting people out there that are not trained enough. And now we have a massive influx of people riding that are not trained. And that's why I believe back in the 90s, and there's going to be the stats on MotorcycleInstitute.org, back in the 90s, there was a lower fatality. And then all of a sudden, when we start including and introducing all these training programs to get more uh, participation, all the fatalities went up. And that is, I mean, that's, that's fine and all to get more participation, but we're, now we're literally setting people up to fail and die or get severely injured. Just because, hey, I went to this class and I got my endorsement now. I'm good. There's no more training I need to do. And people are dying because of that. And I, I go back to, and now I'm going to go, you know, these are the six things. And NMI, punch list, motorcycleinstitute.org. Check it out. Link in the description on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, um, swing on by YouTube slash, youtube.com slash Dan and the Fireman, and you can easily find it. Or just go to motorcycleinstitute.org. So, the motorcycling participation. So it's it we're we have a massive influx of motorcyclists. Prior to you know the death range that went up and now stabilized around 4,500, we didn't have a massive influx of motorcyclists. So we had motorcyclists that wanted to do it, that were there to do it, that uh, had training from an uncle or had training from something, and hyper focused on probably the important things that kept those other people alive. You know. It was, it was that, that was the process. And now that we included, you know, these motorcycle training programs, now we have people that uh, in a weekend they get their endorsement and they feel like they got most of their training. So they're done. And that's where we start getting people that, you know, don't have that uncle that's constantly riding with them or, or that friend or family member that, you know, is working with them consistently over months, weeks, whatever it is. Um, they probably have better training. So we had like this massive influx of bad riders. It's like that massive influx of beer companies. 
and you know all those microbreweries. I mean, it's like all these beers taste the same. They're these ones don't taste good, and then you certain then you find out you know which beer company you like, and it's like one or two beer companies, out of the thousands. So now we have like one or two. Uh, or three or five or 10, you know, good motorcycle riders that come out of these training programs that will be a lifelong safety minded rider. And then you have like a couple hundred that got their endorsement now ride like hooligans. I think that's what's causing a lot of these problems. And to jump back into well, you know, why? And I always ask myself this question, why? You know, why is that the case? And I honestly believe that we have a problem when it comes to who's in charge um, or, or who's dictating the training curriculum. But I mean, I just think it's an overall problem. I think we're, we went down a path and we're stuck on this path. And I think a lot of it has to do with who's training, who's, who's creating the curriculum, who's doing this. And I think a lot of it comes from X racing, motorcycle racing people, X MotoGP or whatever, you know, X person that was racing and that's all they know, or they might have different hobbies here and there. So I think, the reason why we're hyper-focused on physical skills is because that's what you know. The person creating the curriculum, that's what they know. And that's fine. I honestly believe writing skills is very important, but why are we learning all these advanced, 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 advanced crap? I mean, all these advanced classes are not reducing the fatality rate. They're not reducing the injury rate. They're not reducing anything. So why are we going crazy on these advanced classes? So for me personally, what I'm trying to develop, motorcycle training concepts and, and, and a few other things, I, I'm trying to focus 100% on the mental aspect. Let's take that back, not 100%. We're, we're doing like 80% mental and 20% skills because I still believe skills are very important. But I think the fundamental skills are very important. I think the ones that you absolutely need to know how to ride on the street are absolutely re- important. And then the 80% I want to coach you on and teach you is the mental aspect to, fo- the, to focus, to, to hazard percept, you know, to this is a hazard coming up. What kind, why is it a hazard? Intersections, curves, cars, blind spots, all these different things. None of that has to do with if you can get your knee down, trail braking, speed shifting. Speed shifting is pretty good. (laughs) It it does help out quite a bit. keeps your hand on the handlebars. But, I mean, like, there's all these advanced things that you you can learn from different organizations. And no one talks about or at least gives the same level of time to the hazard portion, the hazard perception. And I think that's what we are failing. And I think it's because most people that that teach this or – you know, create the curriculum is that they focus on what they know and writing fast or advanced techniques and tips and tricks to go faster around the corner, all these different things. That's what they teach. And it's actually very quantifiable. That's the thing is like you can show up to a class and never been on a bike and we're going to teach you how to do a U-turn and you've never been on a bike, never know how, you don't know how to do any of this stuff. And by the end of the day, you know how to do a U-turn. So that's easy to say, Hey, look, you never ridden before. Now you did a U-turn. I did my job. Great job. I'm justified. But you can't do that with, okay, you've never driven. You've never ridden. Um, here is, you know, a scene. And I show this all in my after action report, close calls, motorcycle crashes. Here's a scene. Here's a thing. This is what's happening. This is, he was in the blind spot. This is why the car turned in front of him. Um, he didn't see it in time. So he got sideswiped or he saw it uh, last second, panic braked. These are all different. These are all things that I don't think are ever taught. And how is that quantifiable? 
how can you come in one day and I show you this and then know that you left with knowing how to do it? That's the problem. You can't do it in one day. You can't do it in two days. You have, it takes a long time. It takes weeks. It takes weeks to develop that situational awareness. And I believe that this is what needs to be done. You can't have that quick fix. It takes time. You can have that quick fix of your motorcycle skills to get you on the road, but then you need to take it still relatively easy because you're still a beginner and you still need to, you need to figure out the hazard perception. You need to figure out all those things. Why do you think teenagers crash all the time? They know how to drive, but they don't know how to navigate the roads. They don't know what to see. They don't know how to see. They don't know any of that stuff. So they have, they have the skills to hit the gas pedal and brake pedal and turn. That's all they need, right? So you can teach anybody to drive. You can teach anybody to ride a motorcycle. The hard part is teaching somebody to look for things. And that is what I'm hyper-focused on. And I think that coming from uh, public safety, you know, police and fire and, and EMS, coming from that area where I, it was drilled into my head to be hyper-aware, hyper-vigilant, situationally aware of things that people don't even recognize or even understand building collapse why does it building collapse well it's fire put water on the put wet stuff on the red stuff no building collapse because of lightweight truss construction what level what type of construction is it one one to five is it ordinary construction is it is it uh fire resistive or is it non-fire resistive is it heavy timber is it you know what is it and then when you know what kind of construction is, you know that within five to 10 minutes of flame impingement on the attic, you're going to have roof collapse. None of that involves opening the nozzle and shooting water on fire. And I feel that same concept to hopefully save firefighter lives, which actually has drastically saved firefighter lives, focusing on building construction and outside sources. I think that needs to happen with the motorcycle safety industry. I don't even know if it's an industry or what. I'm guessing it is. I honestly believe that we need to have outside minds, outside resources, outside things other than people that have just been racing their whole life to create curriculum, to create things. And this book right here, I know you guys are on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff, but it's uh, the Police Foundation Motorcycle Roadcraft, the Police Writer's Handbook. They talk about this in this book. Absolutely love it. Link will be in the description for this great book it talks about hazard perception first and foremost but that's just one resource you guys need to practice 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 sorry if i'm getting on a soapbox but i absolutely 100 percent believe in this i i need you guys to understand yes get the skills get a quality foundation just honestly you just need to learn the fundamentals you need to know how to get up and go like a teenager you need to know how to apply the a teenager in a car, you need to apply the gas, you need to apply the brake, you need to know how to turn, use your indications, turn on your lights, all that stuff. That I think that's all you need to know when it comes to driving right now, and all you need to know when it comes to motorcycle riding. You need to know how to activate your throttle, you know, primary controls, throttle, front brake, rear brake, shifter, clutch, and know how to counter steer, know how to turn your head, know how to do all that stuff. That right there, yeah, you need to know that just because you need to be able to ride or you need to be able to drive. But then after that, focus, focus, focus on hazard perception, hazard traps, hazard clues, all those things. Get that foundation, get that, get those fundamentals uh, secured. 
And then if you want to branch off into a specialty, just like in firefighting, you want to be a, a hazmat tech, you want to be a technical rescue technician, that comes with its own specialties, comes with its own training. But if you want, as a motorcycle rider, you want to, you know, ride faster, you want to go to a track and do it safely, then go take a track class, go take these advanced classes, go do all those things, go ahead. But realize, hey, you know, I'm not going to utilize that on the street. Just like a hazmat tech isn't going to be like, well, let's test the fire and the wood that's burning for the chemical properties. It doesn't it, it's, it's good to know. It, fine, whatever. It's good to know, you know, pyrolysis and, and all that other stuff. Fine, whatever. But that's not going to help us when the house is burning. We need to rescue these people or put the fire out. Put the fire out. Rescue these people. And then be aware of what's happening. And I think that we need more outside people. We need police, fire, mechanics. We need... Um, you know, uh, people that work on tire construction, um, um, braking, the brake company. I think the braking companies like Brembo and all them should be interacting with a lot of these things, not just race drivers, riders, whatever. I'm super passionate about high hazard perception. It's not just because, you know, well, well, you should take advanced classes on us. I've taken advanced classes and they're, they're great. Absolutely great. I highly recommend them. But I feel that what I learned from these advanced classes or anything above the basic rider course is good gee whiz information. The thing that has kept me safe this whole time, and, I, and I'm starting to really realize it, is the training I received over 10 and a half years, three academies, three fire academies, two EMT academies of hazard perception, situational awareness, that has been drilled into my head for years and years and years and years and years and years and years from call to call to call to call. And it's translated into my motorcycle riding and I can see the hazard ahead of time because I know what a hazard is. I can see what's happening ahead of time because I understand what's happening. Focus, focus on that, please, everybody. But still take classes if you want to. <laughs> still take classes if you want to, but understand this stuff, okay? All right, with that said, I hope you guys ride safe, be safe, and I'll be seeing you around.